In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. How is it even possible <laughs> that you people got here? Minneapolis. Welcome to Snowchella. Seriously. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Unbelievable. It is crazy out there. I saw a bear eat Leonardo DiCaprio. I saw the dead rise from the grave and attack Hartholm or where somebody knows. Hartholm? Good, 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 good. Don't want any mistakes tonight. You guys know it's spring, right? What the fuck? Oh, yeah, Minneapolis, mid April, we'll be fine. Yeah, I guess client climate change probably is part of it. You people blame that on everything. Climate change. That's why it's cold. That's why it's hot. Get your story straight. <laughs> Love it or leave it is going on tour. <laughs> Pittsburgh, Thursday, May 3rd. Columbus, Friday, May 4th. Baltimore, Saturday, May 5th. Crooked.com. End of housekeeping. Look, tonight, we're going to do something a little bit different. Every week, we break down the news as it happens. But tonight, I wanted to step back because amidst all the noise and the nonsense, sometimes I think we can't see the forest for the trees because of the snow. And the truth is, long before Trump showed up, I think it's fair to say that we have been finding it harder and harder and harder to have a substantive, honest, fair debate about politics, about policy, about issues that matter to people. Now, it would be naive to say that there was some golden age, but it would also, I think, be cynical to say it doesn't matter when we're overrun by corporate propaganda, by industry-sponsored research, by Sinclair Broadcasting, putting Boris Epstein on the air to say whatever, brands with cool voices on Twitter, targeted ads that know what we're going to buy because they know what we've bought in the past and so much more. And so because we're no longer limited by what we see on television, by billboards, because we have phones in our pockets, we look at screens all day, we are, in, we are engaged in a giant experiment, an experiment to expose ourselves to an absolutely staggering amount of bullshit on a daily basis. And we have absolutely no idea how it will end. So far, I'd say the results have been mixed. 
if this were like a double blind scientific study, the researchers would do that thing where because it involves humans, they'd open up the data and look at it to see if anybody was being killed and they'd be like, shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. I don't, this isn't safe for people. <laughs> and so tonight we are going to do a show focused on propaganda. <laughs> Say it with me. Propaganda. This is the problem. People are easily influenced. I'm very excited about our show tonight because we have a great panel to help us dive into this topic. She's a professor of political science at the University of Minnesota, focusing on political psychology, political propaganda, and conspiracy theories. Please welcome Professor Joanne Miller. How are you? Oh, thank you. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Next, I want to welcome the newly elected mayor of St. Paul, who won over 50% of the vote, the first African-American to ever hold that seat. Please welcome Mayor Melvin Carter III. How are you? I'm doing great. I'd like to welcome everyone to the greater St. Paul area. <laughs> that's some Minneapolis shit. That's great. Oh, that's good. So basically, if someone doesn't live on your block, you'll boo them. He's the former acting administrator of the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services under Barack Obama and a current senior advisor to the Bipartisan Policy Center. Please welcome Andy Slavitt. Hi, Andy. Hi there. How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. And she's a contributing editor to the Daily Beast, a writer for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, contributor to HLN's SE Cup Unfiltered, a crooked media contributor, and Minnesota's own Aaron Ryan. Okay, first of all, John, Minnesconsin. Minnesconsin, not Minnesota. Minnesconsin. Minnesconsin? Yeah, it's like the border area. <laughs> So no, I grew up in I grew up in a town called Frederick, Wisconsin, which is an hour and a half from here. But Minnesota, Minneapolis, St. Paul was always my those were my cities. I'm a Twins fan. I'm a Timberwolves fan. Minnesota. Oh, I misspoke. It said Minnesconsin. God. I see what I did wrong. <laughs> Let's get into it. What an Orwellian nightmare. <laughs> Over the past year, I think it's fair to say this administration has not only made a lot of policy choices that are horrible, but there's also been this warped use of language, how Donald Trump uses words, how they manipulate the truth. And I think it's been instructive to see how our system responds when we have an administration that has such a unhealthy relationship with the truth. But it's also, I think, hard to know how to respond to this threat. I think there's been a big debate even among liberals, about, you know, do you fight back with facts? Do you have to play at their own game? Is there some other path? So first of all, I just wanted to step back. How do we define propaganda? What is it? Like, what is the difference between propaganda and just good old-fashioned persuasion? Well, the easiest way to answer that question is that propaganda is what my opponents do. Persuasion is what I do. Right. <laughs> that, I mean, <laughs> if you look at the definitions of prop propaganda over the years, it's become almost so amorphous as to, to mean nothing. So it's communication aimed at getting people to change their political attitudes or behaviors that may or may not include misinformation. That's not useful. And so the negative connotation of propaganda has become 
It's what the other side does. Um, but it's really just political persuasion. Um, so what academics tend to study is more the types of propaganda, or the types of persuasion, so campaign ads, get out the vote drives. I study belief in conspiracy theories and how misinformation spreads. Um, but just to think about propaganda as a thing, it's almost in the eye of the beholder. But I still think, though, we, we kind of have, when we use propaganda colloquially, we're referring to a kind of persuasion that we feel is wrong in some way, even if it doesn't contain a lie, that there's some way in which it's manipulative or unfair. So is there a distinction that you can draw even within this idea of it's just what the other side does? Sure. So even if it doesn't include a lie, it could have a lot of emotional content and in particular draw negative emotions. Um, so we tend to think of types of persuasion that include negative emotions, potentially stir that kind of um, sentiment that many of us might feel is unwarranted, um, and potentially also including lies and misinformation and half-truths as being what we would typically think of as propaganda. Do you think something different is happening that we're exposed to more of it than before, or is this just the way it's always been? So it's pretty much the way it's always been. Um, the difference now is that we've got, got more mediums to see it. So we've got social media, um, we've got Facebook, and it spreads faster. But if you go back and look at campaign ads going back to the 1950s and 1960s, they're just as emotional and they're just as, as, as fuzzy with the truth as they, are, as they are now. The difference is it's amplified and there's more of it. And I think the other difference is now that you have more people who can produce it. So any person can produce their own campaign ad, put it up on YouTube, um, and so the dissemination then becomes not just from a candidate or a politician or an interest group, um, but it comes anybody. Um, and so it's kind of like the Wild West of political persuasion. Andy, we were talking about this a little bit backstage about you dealing with people kind of not big organizations, but individuals sort of coming at you with misinformation about healthcare. You're somebody that's been steeped in the healthcare debate, the true parts, the death panel parts, the true death panel parts. Now, and we're going to talk about what happened during Obamacare, but right now, what, is, what are you seeing in the healthcare debate that where you're dealing with people kind of coming at you with stuff that just isn't true? Yeah, you know, so I think you've got a few types of people. I mean, on social media, you've got people who don't have to use their name, so they can say whatever they want. And what I like to do, what I've tried to do, and many people think it's stupid, I try to actually meet them in person and say, what do you really think and see what, they, what they'll really tell you. Then you've got people who just know they're lying. And the reason that they're lying, and I know there's a difference between lying and propaganda, well, at least the reason my kids would lie is because the truth sucks. And when your truth is you're trying to take health care from people, guess what you do? You fucking lie. And so I think we have that as a core. What happens when you talk to somebody who either maliciously or ignorantly or innocently or ideologically comes at you and says, you're just an Obama guy pushing socialized medicine? And, you know, I'd be like, oh, well, socialized medicine sounds pretty good. But, the, uh, but, but what happens at when you... At least it's medicine. <laughs> at least it's medicine. Uh, but when you engage with someone, do any walls come down? What happens when you talk to somebody who's coming at you with... with and what kind, oh, of, I, what kind of shit are you hearing? I think, I think two things. First of all, and you know this... In Washington, behind closed doors, you know, the, the, the worst thing that happens is the door closes and people go, I totally agree with you. I just can't say it publicly. And I'm sure that happens in politics and even in wonderful St. Paul. It happens, but it happens in Washington a lot. <laughs> never, never. You've been mayor just a few months. Come Let on. the record reflect that it does not, does happen, not happen in St. Paul. Paul. It's just a Minneapolis thing. <laughs> 
and then and then I think you know I think anonymous people when they're not anonymous and you f they're forced to deal with you on on facts I find it helpful to say to them you know what I want to learn from you and I start that way and I say I want to understand the points of view that you have that I don't understand and all of a sudden I think all that veneer kind of goes away if people are willing to engage that way by the way I don't recommend engaging with trolls I do it because you know I just you're, you have an illness some kind I mean, of a sickness kind of in your heart but it's not recommended. <laughs> Mayor Carter, or can I call you Melvin? Or can Absolutely. I didn't ask till we were on stage because then I knew I wouldn't get a no, you know. <laughs> so you're here at the local level, where I think it's harder for it's harder for someone to say the street isn't plowed or the street is plowed. It's harder for there to be misinformation. Well, no, but I'm serious. You're where the rubber meets... You know, it's an old cliche about mayors, but you're where the rubber meets the road. You can't... Trump can tell his supporters that he built a wall and the military's never been stronger, but you're where people see the work every single day. Does that make it easier to, to have a conversation with people because you're, you're, they can see your work close up? You know, I think it works both ways, depending on the day. I mean, we've definitely had times where people have, you know, done things that go, you know, come on, you don't have to do that. Here in St. Paul, I, I really believe that the local level is the answer. Uh, I believe that cities, counties, absolutely. You know, we don't, we don't have the ability to just have partisan gridlock in City Hall. It snows today. We have to plow the snow. We have to get there, right? We're always facing like an, uh, an urgent kind of face-to-face -face right here situation. And so our, our goal is to really use our administration as a counterpoint to the Trump administration uh, every chance that we can get, right? And so, you know, the conversations that we have are things like, you know what? We don't, we don't, we don't, I, I don't support building a wall. That's probably going to surprise you. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> These guys practically have... Carry right. bricks around. They're so excited. But, but not, e not even with but, Minneapolis. <laughs> not even with Minneapolis. <laughs> Wisconsin, maybe. <laughs> but you know what? Just tweeting about I don't like to build a wall isn't enough for us. We say you know there's so many walls right in our communities that exist between neighborhoods, that exist between cultures, that exist by language, and you know all those things. We got to break those walls right here on the local level. And because everything that happens on the local level is so immediate and so intimate, I believe that the things that happen on the local level, not just in St. Paul, but around the country, can be the answer to all this nonsense. So I feel like we're, 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 we're talking about not just propaganda, which is a general term, but sort of devious, deceptive misinformation in the form of propaganda. Aaron, with Trump around, do you think that liberals have become susceptible to their own kind of mirrored version of this, that because Trump is so deceptive, because there have been so many scandals, because we don't know what's true coming out of the administration, that kind of a, you have a, end up with like a Joker-Batman situation where we respond with our own version in some way. Sure, or like a spy versus spy kind of version, where like one person is the black spy and the white spy, and we're, all both, we're both fighting each other and we're doing the same thing. I actually think, and I've noticed this, that people... People believe what they want to believe, and they consume information that reinforces what they already want to believe, and they shy away from information that in any way challenges what they already believe or what they want to believe, and it happens on both sides. And I, I think that with Trump in power, with somebody who lies as much as he does in power, I think that 
you have to look at the relationship between like liberals and their government the same way that you would look at any relationship that's been damaged by a betrayal. Like if you're married to somebody and they betray you, you're always going to think that they're betraying you and you're always going to think that the worst thing possible is happening. And that's what's happening, I think, among liberals right now. And I'm not saying like, oh, I'm stupid liberals because like I'm a stupid liberal. But I, I think that it's something that, that we all need to be cautious of. Like, Instead of, you know, it would be awesome if the P-tape exists, and I believe it does. <laughs> but I also think that we should, if evidence surfaces to indicate that it doesn't exist, or that it probably doesn't exist, or that we might not ever know that it exists, we don't need to keep clinging on to it. You know, that it's really important for us to be able to move on from things instead of like, grabbing onto reality that we want to exist. Do you think that one side is better at doing that than the other? Better at better giving at, up? Better at staying tethered to the truth. Well, I know what I think. I mean, well, I, and you can disagree with me. Wait. I obviously believe that, at, that sure. it is hard to deny that, for, that Rachel Maddow and Sean Hannity are not equivalent, that we have our nuts, we have our, we have our conspiracy theorists, but they don't no, have the same... we've got fruits and they've got nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's nice. It does feel as though there is a sort of a toxicity and a lack of care for the truth that just is not balanced. And, and do you agree with that? And, and what do you think causes that, if you, do, if you do? So, two things. One, I would say that, first, a caution is that at this point in time, I think that liberals can take on a self-righteous, we are the bearers of the truth, and we are the believers <laughs> of the truth. <laughs> Got a we are from the audience. Point take their point. You take yourself there out you on a limb there because I have a feeling we're, you're not going to feel cool about where she's going. And you may be super embarrassed in a second because I think she's about to turn on you. And. <laughs> and that's dangerous. <laughs> you're dangerous, oh. Roel. You're reckless. <laughs> Top Gun. <laughs> Gay film. Because I, I do think there's a, a, a point in which liberals can become complacent to it. Now, if you ask, is there more lying misinformation on the right than on the left? Certainly right now, yes. I don't think that, that, that that's deniable. But... That's not to say that liberals don't get sucked into their own lies and um, believe in crazy shit, just like conservatives do. And I think that if we forget that, then we can't move past it. You know, when, when Trump is no longer in office and there is a Democratic president again, <laughs> I think it's important to remember that and be conscious of the fact that we're susceptible. Partisanship is a hell of a drug, and liberals are, and Democrats are susceptible just as much as Republicans and conservatives are. And we're at a moment in time now where we can feel self-righteous, but it hasn't always been that case. The 9-11 conspiracy theories are a perfect example, where liberals jumped onto a whole bunch of horrific conspiracy theories around 9-11, and when when a Republican was in office. And we tend to see these ebbs and flows where during presidential administrations that are Democratic, Republicans are more conspiratorial. During Republican administrations, Democrats are more conspiratorial. Right now, we happen to have a very conspiratorial Republican president. If the Zodiac Killer or Ted Cruz had been president right now, 
Republicans wouldn't be as conspiratorial now because their, their president wouldn't be peddling in the stuff that Trump is peddling in. So I, before we let you go, I did want to ask sort of historically, what are some successful strategies that have been employed in the past to combat misinformation? You know, there is this debate about how we push back. Do we fight fire with fire? Do we fight fire with fact-checking blogs? <laughs> how many Pinocchios will it take right. so we can impeach this guy? <laughs> we, need, we need like 5,000 more tweets that start with you, sir. Mr. President, sir, I would direct you to Federalist Paper number 10. Good, sir, have you no decency, but tweet it and don't say it. Dear Mr. President, we're tired of your lies. Sincerely, America, retweet if you agree. Whoa. Whoa. Everything gets better after that. That'll show him. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting on stage retweets. <laughs> Applause is like a retweet. Sort of. No, applause is a so fave. It's a fave. I can guarantee you that's already been tweeted after you just said that. <laughs> Get it out there. We can make a change. Uh, no, but seriously, what are some, in, historically, what are some examples of people finding a way to cut through this kind of noise? <laughs> you're going to end up, you're going to end on a depressing note because I'm going to say there aren't many, especially in such a polarized time. Back when we weren't so polarized, and, and this is where I think that, that the local level is really where it's at, where people have shared values around community and around what needs to get done. But when you move up to the national level, and we've got a situation now where not only do people not talk to each other, but people think the other side is either criminals or liars or um, harborers of Mexican crazy immigrants, and that if you can't even deign to speak to the other side, so, so what do you do then? Do you try to beat them with their own game, right? Pit them back with other misinformation or other emotional content. Part of the problem is no matter what you can do or tell people what the facts are, the fact check types of things, you can't get past the motivation to want to believe the things you want to believe. No matter how many facts you throw at somebody who really wants to believe that the ACA has death panels, for example, we found that it's not effective. The only things that are effective, one thing that is effective is when the other side counters the rumor. So if a Republican comes out and says there isn't death panels, that's a better way to counter it than if a Democrat tries to do it with facts, for example. Yeah, I feel like... Pretty <laughs> much. Well, <laughs> these, all, these guys all took Snowpiercer to get here, and they're yelling, we, we're fucked at us. I think we might be fucked. You know what, though? I have a theory that politics have changed, The politicians just haven't yeah. figured that out yet, That's right. and that people desire just a real deep authenticity. And when you ask the question, what gets through that? In my neighborhood, we look around and we see Washington, D.C., and when it feels like the Republicans are fighting against the Democrats and the Democrats are just fighting against the Republicans, I got a neighbor who always says, who's fighting for me, you know? And so... I think what we have to do is be willing to, you know, and, and there's, there's two things. There's facts and there's truths, Yeah. you know, and I, I, I do think that we're probably the party that sticks to facts more, but we don't tell our truths enough. I want you to know that I, that's, I think that's exactly right. I, I, think, I think Republicans have been much better about, about truths than we have been. And I think one thing that we can learn even from the Obamacare fight and passing Obamacare, even in the face of so much misinformation is that there was a truth under there, helping people get health care, 
a belief in achieving universal health care. Now, Obamacare wasn't perfect, but an argument for the basic right of health care for all people is a truth that was stronger than misinformation and ultimately more important than any fact or any response. And so I, I do think ultimately what we need to do is have a story to tell, a story that kind of lies can bounce off of truths better than they can bounce off of facts, That's I right. think. That's right. And, and I think authenticity is, I, I have a theory right now that, the Amer that American politics is at the place right now where the American people would elect a total buffoon who they considered authentic over like a genius who they considered manufactured. Huh. What makes you think that? Like, I hate for us to test that theory. Totally, totally <laughs> hypothetically speaking. <laughs> Someone shouts, it's going great. All right. Well, on that note, what an Orwellian nightmare. I want to thank Professor Joanne Miller. Uh, that was so helpful, so interesting, so informative. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. When we come back, okay, stop. Hey, don't go anywhere. There's more of Love It or Leave It coming up. Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Angels Envy. How can envy be a motivating force that inspires people? I don't know. I mean, Maybe look at look at Elon Musk. I mean, just you know, <laughs> envy makes the world go round. Envy and FOMO. That's basically it. That's a ba yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's, the that's capitalism. <laughs> envy is commonly regarded as a vice, but it can be a good thing. Envy can be a catalyst for creation, Ooh. inspiring the world to raise the bar. Okay. And Angel's Envy is a bourbon that is worth the envy. Oh, I was wondering where we were going with this. Angel's Envy bends the traditional rules of whiskey. It's a little different from all other bourbons out there. This bourbon makes the perfect gift for any occasion. Angel's Envy are the pioneers of secondary finishing in bourbon and one of the first full production urban distilleries in downtown Louisville. With its unique bottle design, Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels is sure to be the envy of any bar cart too. Look for Angel's Envy bourbon finished in port barrels. Please drink responsibly. Copyright 2024, Angel's Envy, bottled by Louisville Distilling Company, Louisville, Kentucky. And we're back. Now for a game we call OK Stop. Here's how it works. We'll roll a clip and then the panel can say OK Stop and we'll talk about it whenever we feel, you know, whenever we have a, a thought. Andy, you helped spearhead the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare also known as the American law that forced every person to pay a tax and drink poison. That's what it says here. So we thought we would look back at some of the ways in which conservatives and conservative media talked about a law that has now been in effect for the better part of a decade to see if any of the predictions that were offered came to pass. Let's roll the clip. You said those death paddles, which created a big controversy, and uh, you're adding new words to the, the American vocabulary here. Uh, you stand by those comments because you think it still exists in the bill. I do. It's a commission. It's a, it's a bureaucracy. It's bureaucrats who will uh, ration care. Okay, stop. God, guys, I don't miss her at all. <laughs> I almost admire her ability to like kind of live on her own planet. And it sort of was like a... It's interesting because she sort of was like, you know how they sent like the dog into space before they sent the people into space? She was like... Ta uh, hold on. Tyco? Lyka. Lyga. Lyga or Tyga? L-A-I-K-A, I think it Lyka? was. Lyka? Lyka, the Russian dog. Pundit's it's an angel. <laughs> it's my dog. Well, my so, dog's name is Pundit and she's a celebrity. Okay. I've, I've met Pundit. Pundit's fine. Um... <laughs> 
Huh. I wonder, I wonder if I've ever... I've never been real mad on stage. <laughs> That's new. That's cool. Okay, but anyway, my point is that, that Sarah Palin was sort of this, like, you know, we, she kind of just streamed across the sky, and we we're like, wow, get, get a load of that. That's crazy. And now... <laughs> And a now, shooting star of stupid. Just like, whoa! <laughs> you're dumb. But, but, you know, her version of living on her own planet and it was sort of a proto-alternative facts. And, and now we're seeing, like, Ivanka living on, like, planet Ivanka, pretending like she's kind of some kind of lifestyle guru in the midst of the world being she's on fire. Older. Right. And, like, and, and we have people like Kellyanne Conway saying the words alternative facts. And we have people, you know, like we have Sarah Huckabee Sanders taking the podium at the White House almost daily saying, you know, everything's going great and we love the president and what the American people are going to remember is how charismatic I am or whatever people, whatever Sarah Huckabee Sanders says. I, I just think that it, it's, it's interesting now to watch Sarah Palin live in her little fake bubble, not kn- like knowing now what we know. Bill goes through as Obama okay, wants it stop. to go through. I, I, but I do miss the days... <laughs> I do miss the days of her being the, like, ridiculous Republican, right? Like, (laughs) of her being, like, the most ridiculous. Yeah. Isn't it weird that John McCain did this? (laughs) Like, John McCain, who, you know, at the very end of his career has has tried to take... He's had had mixed results. But he's tried to do a couple things that were not awful. Right. But, like, also he did this. Sarah Palin, in every Jurassic Park movie... There's a moment where one dinosaur runs ac- over a hill and is coming down the hill at your main characters. And then all of a sudden, another main character comes across the hill and says, run, run, there's so many more. <laughs> you won't believe how many more dinosaurs there are behind her. Sarah Palin is that first dinosaur. But there is no... <laughs> nobody to say that there were nobody was going to be like there's going to be more we were all like well that's the end of that as soon as Bristol got kicked off of Dancing with the Stars we were all like that's the end of that I I actually think it was when she got her first Fox contract that everyone goes oh wait a minute this is crazy as a business model I can do crazy and so it's easier to do crazy than to do smart so I think all these people ran to do crazy because they fig- they realize they can make money at it. Yeah. Well, there's there's been that um that saying that you know it's easier to it's 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 easier to tear down a barn than it is to build a barn, which has been used to refer to the way the Republicans address the government. But that but it's actually also easier to just take a bunch of wood and assemble it into a random kind of da da piece of art than all than it is to make a barn as well. Making a barn is still is that, harder than a... making something insane that doesn't do anything. Yeah. You know, you give me a bunch of wood, I can make a crazy shape. Yeah. You're not going to be able to keep a chicken in it. <laughs> At the same time... Am I a, am I a folksy southern lawyer now? <laughs> yeah, I was like... I was like, what do you know, what do you know about it's raising like they always fowl? say. Great say. <laughs> yeah, like my, like my granddaddy used to say. Can't keep a chicken in it. <laughs> I was going to add that the easiest, the easiest thing still, and the thing that causes the most excitement, is if you just light the fucking barn on fire, which is what's happening right now. Is they're just lighting the barn on fire, and we're all like, whoa, the barn's on fire. <laughs> Does smell great. Sarah Huckabee Sanders being like, the barn has been illuminated by a new technology. The American people will remember that the president invented a new technology that lighted Keeps- up the sky. <laughs> 
it's, it's modeled in essence after a British system that does have people to decide whether, based on your quality of life, your age, your, uh, whether you're going to deserve health care coverage or not. Okay. Okay. Uh, so what she just said. You're, about, she, to, you're about to talk about just her vocal inflections, right? Yeah, exactly. And how crazy those are. I'll, you, I'll save that for you. What she just said is exactly what the governor of Kentucky is doing right now by forcing people who, who lose their jobs to lose their Medicaid coverage. That's exactly what they're doing. They're deciding who deserves coverage and who doesn't. And that is truth, not propaganda. She's clearly out there trying to say that this was, you know, Obamacare is a government takeover. It's going to be like Britain. It's going to be like a socialized system in which some, some government bureaucrat is going to decide who lives and who dies. You know, we are now living under Obamacare. Obviously, it has many problems. There are many things we want to do differently, many things we want to fix and improve. But that hasn't transpired. We haven't seen rationing, whatever that means, although we do ration it based on what people can afford, not based on what the government says. Okay. Why, why is it that there's no... I mean, aren't you frustrated? Like, aren't you like, how are we still listening to these people? How are these people get to have a place to speak? I, I remember when they said all this shit was going to happen that didn't happen. So, so here, here's what's both frustrating and, and hopeful at the same time, is healthcare is actually the least political thing in our lives. When you're sitting there in a pharmacy and you can't afford to buy that prescription for your kid, everybody, Democrat, Republican, Independent, has the same set of emotions. When you're sitting there and your spouse is going through surgery and it's going two hours too long and you don't know what the hell's happening, there is nothing about politics in that moment. This, this got politicized. The answer, the answer to the question I actually think is not one side versus the other, who's truth and who's not truth. The answer is we all have to depoliticize this issue. We all have to make this about what it is, it's about our families, it's about our financial security. Can I also just take a moment to just jump in for public employees for a second? Because people say government bureaucrat as though that's a bad thing. It's snowing outside. And right now I got a whole team of people out there plowing the snow so that we can get where we have to go tomorrow. And so I, I, I abhor it when people try to criticize people who have committed their lives to helping, the, helping each other and making the world, our communities better. And... And it's amazing to me that the, the, the alternative, she's saying, do we want these people who have committed their lives to at probably a pay cut, making the world a better place and serving communities, do we want them making the decisions? Or do we want the corporate executives who are making profit margin decisions to make that decision for us? Yeah, I, I want the government bureaucrats. Bureaucrats over executives, I'm with you. Very concerned when you start talking about cost controls that a bureaucracy, we, we don't necessarily... Okay, stop. Us. You left your wife when she was dying of cancer, Newt Gingrich. <laughs> don't ever talk about healthcare. Whenever yeah. I look at his face and he's talking and, and healthcare words are coming out of his mouth, I'm like, you left your wife yeah. when she was dying of cancer. He You're looked at his wife and he said, I'm going to ration the number of husbands you have. <laughs> Down to zero. Here's the problems I have with the Affordable Health Care Act. Number one, there's a provision in there that anyone over the age of 74 has to go before what is effectively a death penalty. Okay, stop. stop. If the, that's true, right? Then, like, <laughs> what did I, what was I doing with all those 74-year-olds then? Are you the most prolific serial, serial killer in Wisconsin? No. <laughs> it's, I, I, I mean, the thing you admire about 
Trump versus that guy is that guy's a shitty liar. Like, tr Trump will just say stuff. And the reason I think Trump's a good liar, by the way, is I'm not sure if he knows he's lying anymore. I mean, I don't think, I think he's got, like, when, you know how when you lie about one little thing and then 50 lies have to cover that lie? I think he's been lying for so damn long that he just can say it with the same expression. Everybody else, like that guy, he looks like he's making it up. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's in there, folks. Okay, stop. Hey, let's just be, let's just be pleased with those, uh, those town hall attendees who are like, the fuck is this? <laughs> I'm out taking this bullshit. I'm 74. I didn't go to your panel. Hey, here, here in Minnesota, we're jealous that they even had a town hall. I struck, I struck a nerve. You can read that shirt in the front row. Front row, it says, Eric Paulson does nothing for me. I believe that the candidate who was just selected to take on Eric Paulson is in the house. There is someone here. There is someone here. Dean Phillips. Dean Phillips. I think we've got some enthusiasm to uh, flip some seats in Minnesota. Because then we can win the house. And then we can take that gavel from Paul Ryan or Kevin McCarthy's hand. What I, what I love about Minnesotans is they seem so calm and nice, but they will walk through a fucking blizzard to get to what they want to get to. Hey, I'm just curious, a uh, uh, bit of trivia. Do you guys know where Paul Ryan is from? I think he might be from Wisconsin. <laughs> if healthcare is a constitutional right, then everything associated with good health would fall into the civil rights category. Okay, stop. <laughs> this bullet point is inscrutable. Uh, it, it reads, if healthcare is a constitutional right, uh, alongside noted sexual harasser Bill O'Reilly, if healthcare is a constitutional right, then everything associated with good health would fall into the civil rights category. It's a slippery slope. What? <laughs> Wait, so do I get extra votes because I'm a long-distance runner? Because I would like five to cancel out fucking his vote. Entire environment, house, food, clothing, transportation, mental health. I, okay, stop. I, I, this is, there's, um, so this is an unrelated thing, but, <laughs> so there's been this debate about a poo on The Simpsons. And someone went and pulled a, so a, a bunch of kids, Jeet here wrote about this. A bunch of kids wrote to a newspaper in 1943 saying, please stop running racist stereotypes about black people in your cartoon section. The, the newspaper wrote back and said, well, children, we just, we think uh, this is the beginning of something. I mean, think about it. If we stop running this stereotype, next you'll say we can't do an Italian stereotype or a Jewish stereotype or a German stereotype. What about the Irish stereotype? What about all these wonderful stereotypes? Have you thought this through? And they're like, yeah, yeah, stop doing those. Stop doing those as well. That was a long way to say. I like when they're like, a constitutional right to healthcare. Next, will we be guaranteeing people food and shelter? Wait, okay. Wait, life, liberty, <laughs> and the pursuit of happiness? <laughs> That's crazy. Be paid for by the state if you could not afford it. That's a form of communism because no country could okay, afford it. Okay, stop. He, okay, so he said all your needs will be provided for the state. Your 
needs. Like if they are needs, they are not things that are optional for you. You can't decide whether or not you need heart surgery. You can't be like, you know what? I, uh, you know, not going to get the old heart replaced this year. You're going to die or you're going to live. It's a need. And the government, I think, is responsible to accommodating the needs of its citizens. So there's a fantasy that he is promoting, which is that there's this thing that's going to get, everybody's going to get what they need in healthcare called the free market. And that is the biggest fantasy to ever strike healthcare. There is no such thing as a free market when people are dependent for their chronic illnesses, their life, I'm getting health care. That's not free. Yeah, that, the, that, and, that, and so that, what that results in is massive paychecks for, for corporate executives, and people get what they get. And so we're not live, you know, we can't live in his world for very long. Yeah, I, I'd also just, it's part of the kind of myopia of Fox News, but there are liberal capitalist democracies that exist on planet Earth that do all the things he's saying is not possible to do without becoming a yeah. Stalinist state. They exist. We don't have to do it exactly like they do, but they exist. There are, yeah. there are people in Sweden who will be starting businesses right. and, having, and, and, and coming up with new products in a place where with a social safety net that takes care of people. It exists. Right. And have you ever, have you ever been to Canada? It's all like hot, happy young people with families. And like they, they look very relaxed. When it comes to the healthcare market, the invisible hand is just making the jerk off motion. <laughs> and that's okay, stop. When we come back, a new game. Don't go anywhere. This is Love It or Leave It, and there's more on the way. The National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. 25 Saturday nights, 50 matches, all season long on ION. Alan Frenchel Williams slips through, here's a shot, and it's in! This is a game changer for sports. Savinia takes a shot herself! Hammers it home! Oh my goodness! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. And we're back. <laughs> Repetition is an incredibly effective tool at getting a message to stick. Repetition is an incredibly effective tool getting a message to stick. <laughs> what? <laughs> they only let one flight out of Chicago this morning. And we were on it. And so, when you're trying to deliver misinformation, it's helpful to use every channel at your disposal. And when you're Donald Trump, you have several. Uh, so, tonight we're going to take a look at how messages can get distilled and repeated from conservative news sources and Trump in a game we call Trump Tweet, Fox News, or Sinclair. Here's how it works. I'm going to read you a comment, and you'll have to decide. Was it said on Fox News? Was it said on Sinclair, a Sinclair-owned network? Or was it a Trump tweet? Would someone out there like to play the game? Hi, what's your name? I'm Carrie. Carrie, where are you from? I am from St. Paul, and I loved voting for you. I loved it. It was Carrie? Yeah. From St. Paul. We know where she's from, Mayor. (laughs) 
have you been in? Have you been from? Are you were you born in St. Paul? Are you from from St. Paul? Uh, no, I was uh, born in North Dakota. I was raised in Roseau, Minnesota, way up north, way up north. And my parents are here. They're boomers, and they love you. Oh, yeah. Cool, cool. Uh, have you been enjoying the ratio of uh, workers to people paying into your retirement? <laughs> You're welcome. Keep working. Keep working. He said keep working. <laughs> Did you enjoy the infrastructure projects that your parents built? And the, and the universities. Yep, cool. Great. I hope they were helpful to you. Thank you for passing it on. Uh, Carrie. Yes. I want you guys to know that every time I do this, it is touching a stove because baby boomers are not perfect. But one thing they have certainly figured out is how to type messages through Facebook to complain. I thought you guys, you're supposed to be retiring and taking a painting, but man, you guys got those laptops on your lap before, uh, before the Big Bang Theory starts. <laughs> Carrie, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Do your parents like young Sheldon? Uh, I don't. I don't think so. NCIS, though, really. Big. They like NCIS. That's my dad's favorite show. Yeah. When I moved out to LA, my father he said, "Jonathan, you should write a show like NCIS." <laughs> and here was his explanation: It's dramatic, but they're not afraid to throw around the jokes. Uh, yes. Yes. Carrie, are you ready to play the game? I'm ready. I'm ready. Here's how it works: I'm going to read you a quote, and it will either have been from a Trump tweet a Sinclair-owned station, or Fox News. Let's get a clicking noise to create a sense of drama. <laughs> Removal of historical statues is short-sighted. They, they should serve an important reminder of our past to help guide our behavior going forward. Sinclair? Correct. It's sad to see the history and culture of our great country being ripped apart with the removal of our beautiful statues and monuments. Fox? Wrong. Trump. It's about the eradication of history and acknowledgement that we had a really difficult, horrible moment in our country's history that we were able to overcome. Uh, Fox. That is right. That was Laura Ingram. There's a, that's a trade war, folks, and it's about time. Trump? Lou Dobbs. This is bad. Trade wars are good and easy to win. Here's an example. When Trump. we are down, Trump, you got it. <laughs> we win, it's easy, was the end of that quote. Americans, including the president, have to be confident they are not being targeted or mistreated because of political leanings of those enforcing our laws. Sinclair. Correct. The special counsel, Robert Mueller, and his band of Democratic witch hunters never should have been appointed, Fox. and they need to be disbanded immediately. Fox? Correct. Sean Hannity. You're doing great, Carrie. Thank you. Why does the Mueller team have 13 hardened Democrats, some big crooked Hillary supporters, and zero Trump. Republicans? Yep. There are so many positive things going on for the USA, and the fake news media just doesn't want to go there. It's the Thanks. same negative stories over and over again. No wonder the people no longer trust the media, whose approval ratings are correctly at their lowest levels in history. Fox. Trump. What? The media cannot handle the fact that they are now being exposed as agenda-driven and fake news. D oh, Trump. Fox. Fox. I knew it. You got to trust Dang your gut, Carrie. <laughs> Members of the media use their platforms to push their own personal bias. This is extremely dangerous. Trump. Sinclair. Sinclair. Yes. You got it. You've won the game. Yeah. Give it up for Carrie. She's won a parachute gift card. Hi, Carrie's parents. Thank you for being here. Thank you for making the journey. I, you know, I poke fun, but it's with love. I don't, you know, it's not all boomers, you know? 
<laughs> when we come back, we're going to take a look at corporate propaganda. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. And we're back! An ad is basically the side of the story that the company wants you to know. And oftentimes, you can get the other side of the story from a neutral arbiter, like journalists or whatever insane people leave sincere Yelp reviews. <laughs> but what happens when a company controls the story? What happens when a source sounds like it's something you should trust, but in reality, it's not what you thought? Here's what that would look like in a game we call Citation Defenestration. <laughs> in a game we call... Maybe we should brainstorm for two more minutes on the name. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what? If you can't handle me at my citation defenestration, you don't deserve me at my Snowcella. <laughs> Would anyone out there like to play the game? Hi, how, what's your name? Jenny. Jenny. And are you from Minnesota? Uh, yes, I've lived in Minneapolis for 10 years. 10 years. Have you seen NCIS? No. So here's how it works. I'm going to read you a question about a corporate effort to change a debate. And it'll be your job to suss out which is the correct answer. Question number one. Since the 1970s, Exxon has been funding research on the effect of fossil fuels on the environment. What did their research find? Is it A, the earth is our home and we need to get all the oil out of it because would you want all that oil in your home? No, it's gross. What's it be? Fossil fuels are harmless to the environment, except for bees, raccoons, large spiders, and who wants those? Nobody. Or is it C? 80% of the company's research and internal communications acknowledge that climate change was real and was caused by humans, but 80% of Exxon's statements to the broader public, which reached a much larger audience, expressed doubt about climate change. I'll go with C. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jenny, question number two. Which of the following did Gatorade and other sports drink companies do to help influence public opinion over their products? Was it A, develop school outreach programs that encourage kids to drink sports drinks during exercises and promoted hydration with research funded by Gatorade that claims, quote, children are particularly likely to forget to drink unless reminded to do so. <laughs> Was it B, scientists with links to the manufacturers of sports drinks have prominent editorial roles at important journals of sports medicine. So negative studies questioning what these companies advocate are difficult to get published in journals. Or is it say? Established the Gatorade Sports Science Institute in 1985 to convince the public that thirst is an unreliable indicator of dehydration and that people need to drink as often as possible to prevent the impending doom of dehydration. D, all of the above. Correct, Jenny, that was a trick question. 
that 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 last one worked on me. I sincerely believe that you have to just drink all the time, even if you're not thirsty, because your body won't know in time. That if you're thirsty, it's too late. You're fucked. How many people have internalized that? It could be true. It could be true. Uh, also, I just want to say that uh, this week's Love It or Leave It is brought to you by Brondo. Brondo, it's what plants crave. It's the thirst quencher. Well, that's Gatorade, not Brondo. Yeah, whatever. Question number three, Jenny, the anti-littering group Keep America Beautiful popularized the phrase litterbuck as a way to achieve what? Is it A, clean up the planet one person at a time because if we all chip in, we can do our part. Captain Planet, he's our hero, gonna take pollution down to zero. I think that show, we should think about Captain Planet because I think it's pretty sophisticated. The villains are like, they're corporate, it's interesting. The villains are all Scott Pruitt. The villains are all Scott Pruitt. Is it B? To shift the blame for littering onto consumers instead of the companies that produce wasteful products, which might be why Keep America Beautiful happens to be sponsored by Current Coffee, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Dow Chemical, Nestle Water, Dr. Pepper, McDonald's, UPS, Anheuser-Busch, and formerly Phillips Morris. They've also opposed legislation that encourages reusing and recycling bottles they help produce. Or is it C? To get the song, Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go, stuck in people's heads. Because jitterbug into my brain goes bang, 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 till my feet do the same. I wish it was C, but I think it's B. It is, it's B. Question number four. Medical research has shown time and again that too much high-fructose corn syrup can lead to health problems, including obesity and cardiovascular disease. However, Coca-Cola, Hershey, Red Bull, and the maker of Oreos recently funded scientific research that claimed global recommendations on limiting sugar were actually based on weak evidence. What is the name of the front group that conducted this research? Is it A? The International Life Sciences Institute. B. The Mr. Goodbar Department of Science at Northern Gumdrop Mountain University. Or is it C? Research Institute of Normal Trustworthy Science Institute of Research. A. Jenny, it's A. You've won the game. And the parachute gift card. Guys, give it up for Jenny. When we come back, the rant wheel. When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 Brand Spark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. And we're back! Now for the rant wheel, here's how it works. We spin the wheel and where it lands, we talk about the topic. This week we have a propaganda-focused rant wheel. We have Facebook apologies, fake news, the phrase mission accomplished, beauty ads, ads aimed at children, ads for prescription drugs, corporate responsibility, and an audience suggestion. That's you. Let's spin the wheel. It has landed on ads for prescription drugs. Andy, 
As someone who studies the intricacies of healthcare, do you believe it has been a good thing or a bad thing to have private companies trying to tell people what medicines to ask their doctors for? It is a bad thing. <laughs> now, I, I do enjoy someone trying to read the name of 70 diseases, including the one that you're trying to prevent. Like, for people who are depressed, may cause suicide. Like, that I enjoy. But other than that, I think it's a bad idea. I think a real low point for American society are the advertisements for a drug to take because you're constipated because of other drugs of other you're drugs. taking. I feel like that captures the downside of our current exploitative conservative capitalism. It's like, we got this problem. People are taking too much medicine. It's gumming up the works. What should we do? Should we look at finding ways to maybe stop having people taking opiates in massive amounts? Well, we could, or we can top them up with another drug. And that's twice the amount of drugs. My big problem with drug ads is that drugs for generations have not been tested on women. And so women suffer from, so women suffer from conditions that doctors in the medical community do not understand and cannot treat. And they're offering treatments for like fibromyalgia, which is like, oh, pain. Or like other, other, other illnesses that were not not addressed by the medical community because drug manufacturers were for a very long time afraid of testing on women because they might get pregnant. And I think that that is, an ex I mean, it's something that we're just now starting to remedy, but it's something that is, is adversely affecting women who suffer from any sort of pain, childbirth, endometriosis, anything. And it is, it is garbage and it's a national disgrace. And, that, and, that's a, and that's a great point. And it's still a problem for, for people of color. It is an enormous problem for people yes, of color. Yes, I was going to say, as a member of the African-American community, I concur. And I have talked about it, and we want the crash test dummies and the drug test to continue to be for white guys between 5'8 and 5'11. That's, <laughs> that's our sort of sweet spot. Well, there was actually a really great feature. 5'7. There was a great feature. Well, 5'6, five, five, come on. No, I, I mean, to the mayor's point, uh, I, I think th there, was, there was actually a really fascinating feature in the New York Times this week about the black maternal mortality rate that everybody should read. And it also is a reflection on the way that the American healthcare system has failed people of color, specifically women of color. She said that her real live dad is here. Can I just point out that my real live wife is here? You and can. she's got a... A real live awesome women's health practice that serves amazing women of color every day. I just wanted to give her a shout out. That's great. She's going to be angry at me for saying that. Is she? She is. That's too bad. <laughs> Let's spin it again. Oh, stop it. Can't make people come on the show against their will. It has landed on fake news, which was suggested by Andy. Huge fan of fake news? What, do you, what, what about the term? It used to be that fake news was literally a company, like a Russian company, made up a story, and it was a thing. Now it's like everybody's get-out-of-jail-free card. Fake news is this reflexive thing that people say, like, if they get, you know, mud splash on their boots, I didn't do it. Fake news. So we, we've, we've taken... That, that's going to have to be retired at some point in time, pretty soon, I hope. I have never seen a phrase go from having a specific meaning to being taken. Like, we talked about the fake news as Russian or other 
kind of purposeful lie to people on Facebook to get them to share things. Trump took it and turned it into something else. It spent like a day as a real thing. <laughs> so my theory on fake news is I think that we can combat it by using it in all kinds of bullshit situations. So the other day, I was putting on a pair of shoes and my shoelace broke. And I go, oh, fake news. Just use it. All. Somebody says <laughs> somebody couldn't meet me because they were, they were like running 20 minutes late. And I was like, no, I don't have time to meet you. I was like, you are fake news. Just start calling everything it you don't like bad fake news. Thing. Let's spin it again. It has landed on beauty ads suggested by one Aaron Ryan. Okay, so here's something that has been a real bee in my bonnet lately. So I, earlier in my career, I worked at a website called Jezebel, and one of the things, thanks guys, one of, one of the things that we focused on a lot was overuse of airbrushing in, in beauty ads because it prevents this like really ridiculous, it's like it, women who don't have any pores or visible ribs, or pelvises. So it's far, just, so good. Now right. what's the problem? <laughs> right. Essentially, essentially, sexy snakes wearing wigs and Gucci. And that was something that we, we rightfully called out for a really long time because it presents this version of reality that is just not something that's obtainable, and it, and it makes women crazy. It makes women crazy, and it makes think, men think that that's what women should be, and it's garbage. And, and then there's also like the weird science animation that's like, look at this makeup that forms particles and sits on your skin and it's based on nothing. But one of the things I was thinking this week was there was, there was an article that came out about how there's a handful of Instagram stars who aren't even real people. And I realized as soon as we started calling out ads for airbrushing women into looking like something that they couldn't possibly look like, we started airbrushing ourselves into looking like something that we couldn't possibly look like. And... I think it's really important for all of us to take a, take, take a step back and realize as we're like consuming content online, working or interacting with social media, that what we're seeing is not real in the same way that magazine ads were not real, in the same way that an animation for some kind of uh, face cream that can like make your wrinkles come out isn't real. Like what you're seeing online isn't real. It's a form of propaganda that's been weirdly democratically assembled. Yeah, it's worth also remembering too that... We've all, we've all uh, kind of taken on the role of our own personal propagandists in our yes. Instagrams and our Facebooks and our Twitter feeds. I mean, the, we both have our same favorite sides of our faces. That's don't tell we them about like that. This. We sit... Aaron, I agree with everything you said. I would just add to that. You said it's driving women crazy. It's driving all of us crazy. You know, we, we, we have young daughters... Uh, my daughter was three the first time she wanted her hair straightened or she wanted to look this way or look that way to what she sees on television. Uh, it's insane the extent to which everything that you're just talking about is true. Uh, the only thing I would add is it's not just women. It's driving our youngest girls crazy and it's definitely driving their dads crazy as well. And also, I think there's a lot of people out there that feel like they're under attack. They're five foot six and three quarters and they say that they're five seven and then they're sort of torn down, which sucks because they can't get much lower and they already started out so low to the ground. You know what I mean? I just, okay. First of all, I was, I just, I respect reality and truth. <laughs> Whatever. Five, seven, let's spin it again. Five, seven and a half. I'm five, ten. I'm 5'10". 
it has landed on mission accomplished, which I think is a good place to leave it. So, uh, Donald Trump, president, uh, he, he tweeted out this morning that the mission in Syria has been accomplished. Uh, I think mission accomplished makes sense if what his mission was was to change the conversation away from the fact that he could not stop diddling porn stars right after his son was born. If that was the mission, then the mission was accomplished. The conversation was changed. Now we are talking about the, the bombing of Syria and the fact that Donald Trump is now waging an unauthorized and illegal war in, in a way that other presidents have done. You know when the mission will be accomplished? The mission will be accomplished when dozens and dozens of boats carrying thousands and thousands of refugees get to our shores. And it's probably gonna be, it's probably gonna be January of 2021 when that happens. I will be the first one out there with the mission accomplished sign. Well, it's like, when, 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 when I saw that he tweeted mission accomplished, it reminded me of George W. Bush, which makes total sense because George W. Bush is no longer the most unpopular Republican president of, like, in recent yeah. history. And the, the, the craziest part about it is I was like, oh, man, those are like the good old bad days. Like, <laughs> episode title. <laughs> by, a, by, the, by the skin of our teeth. But, uh, I think Snowchella. Snow Snow, well, look, we'll, we'll, vote, we'll vote it out. No, I, I think it's worth closing on this, that when I saw Mission Accomplished, when I saw that basically Trump had offered absolutely no rationale, Basically, they're saying, oh, there's some Article 2 power. It's in there somewhere. Don't worry about it. Uh, it was a reminder of the kind of propaganda we've all been steeped in, Republicans and Democrats, for decades and decades, which has led to the slow and inexorable expansion of presidential power. Uh, this is something that happened under Trump. It, is, it happened under Barack Obama. It happened under George W. Bush. It happened under Bill Clinton. It happened under George H.W. Bush. It happened under Reagan. It has been happening for decades. If you remember when President Obama decided to not ultimately order uh, military action in Syria, he said he wanted congressional approval, but not because he technically needed it. And it was a strange thing to say, and it was, it was I think, too cute by half, but there is a bipartisan consensus that if the president were to say he needs congressional approval, he'd be giving up something, giving up something that the president needs. And in a way, they're right. They're right because, as a culture, we have allowed Congress to totally abdicate its responsibility to the point where no one thinks that they're adult enough or empowered enough or responsible enough to have that deliberation and decide, yes, we should, and yes, we shouldn't, as a representation of the country. And now that we've put Donald Trump in charge of the most powerful and deadly military force in the history of humankind, I think we're all confronting the fact that both sides have failed for a long time on this, except, honestly, the people who have been the most consistent are some right-wing Tea Party Republicans, like Justin Amash, who I am no fan of on policy, who points out that when a Republican sought military force, Democrats wrote a letter saying you need approval. When a Republican wanted military force, Democrats wrote a letter saying you needed approval. And if there's one thing that we can see, that, that the hardest kind of, I think, propaganda to see is the kind we all participate in together, whether it's jets flying over football games or the idea that being tough means dropping bombs as opposed to welcoming people, as opposed to keeping our air clean, opposed to doing the many things that actually will help people, that have a proven record of actually saving lives as opposed to military interventions that never seem to work. So 
I think that's a good place to close to remind ourselves that we are all participants in this and that a lot of people would have supported Hillary Clinton doing something in Syria using the same lack of a rationale as Donald Trump because we've internalized a logic because of the kind of militarism we've participated in for a really long time, which is a dark place to leave the show. But <laughs> on the other hand, at least Trump's brazen bullshit and lying and deception has allowed a lot of people to say, hold on a second, I think, I think something's really fucking broken here. That the way we make decisions is broken, that the way we get our news is broken, that, we can't, that, that for a long time, I think even the most vicious partisan said, good politics makes good policy. As long as, you know, yeah, the ads are deceptive, and yeah, the news is bullshit, and yeah, people don't trust their institutions, but the, but the right person ultimately wins. But then we look around and we realize we made our worst person president, and uh, we kind of have woken up to the fact that we have to do more work to make sure that we're not susceptible to misinformation. And that's why I wanted to do this show. Uh, that's why I am grateful to Joanne Miller for joining us, for Mayor Carter, Andy Slavitt, for Aaron Ryan, friend of the pod. Thank you guys so much for coming out tonight, for making the trek in the snow. Thanks for being here at Snowchella, Minneapolis. Have a great night. Live life at your pace. Click the banner or go to visitwilliamsburg.com to discover how. Because here in Williamsburg, life moves at one pace, yours. Scramble through our world-class golf courses or shop your way through the square. Be one with nature as you hike or bike through our parks and trails or hunker down at one of our breweries. And when it's time to eat, be sure to bite into our eclectic food scene. It's all waiting for you in Williamsburg. Book your trip today and live life at your pace.